All right, welcome back to another episode of Cult of Personality, which I didn't know that another show on iTunes had that title already. Uh, I don't know if their legal team will be in contact with ours about that, but they haven't uploaded in a while, so you know what? If they need, we'll change the title. We'll change it to another kind of quippy and intelligent title like this one, but obviously it's not that intelligent because... They also had that idea, but if need be, you know, you know how it be. I'm joined today by Matthew Teclamarian. Hello. Psych, you thought. That's actually uh, my partner. She needed to accompany me because having complications right now with getting the show going, one thing after another. Matt's on hiatus right now. He's going on a trip. He's traveling Europe, Antarctica, and Africa all at the same time. Yeah, all at once. He's going back and forth. World tour. He's going to go on an ayahuasca retreat, see demons and things. Uh, speaking of demons, today we're talking about David Lynch and his <laughs> and his movie Eraserhead. Um, this was a cool little movie, fun little time. Not very fun for some of us. Very fun for all. Family-friendly movie. Watch Not with family-friendly movie. Uh, don't watch it with your children. Don't watch it at all, probably. Watch a movie. It's only an hour and a half long. Uh, it was released in uh, 1977. And it's an experimental body horror film written, produced, and directed by David Lynch, I believe, while he was in film school. Um, it was all in black and white, and it had a really unique soundtrack one that i really admire they spent years just going around and filming different ambient noises of machines and more industrial things one thing about this movie is that it's very confusing and to not take anything at face value otherwise you're not gonna have the best of time yeah i don't think that you necessarily need to take things at face value and I don't think that you're supposed to and and the thing that's hard with this movie is it kind of muddles it kind of muddy I don't know what the word what word to use it just it makes it hard to to discern what's real and what isn't I think there are scenes that are dream sequences scenes that are supposed to be kind of metaphorical and they're not actually happening in his mind or anywhere else and and then scenes that are based in reality just to set the scene a little bit for you viewers who haven't seen the movie, I'll give a quick little synopsis here. So the story follows Henry, who is our main character, and basically he realizes that his girlfriend, Mary X, has become pregnant. And when he goes to their house, um, her family is very weird, as most things are in this film. So he decides to marry Mary because, you know, her mother wants him to, and she has a child, which may or may not be a child. It's a little alien-looking thing. Doesn't like to eat, only likes to cry, likes to be very annoying. Drives Mary pretty much up the wall, so she leaves. And then our main character, Henry, is faced with this child, and the rest of the movie kind of follows his actions involving the child as well as the effects it has on him mentally, I suppose. Yeah. That's pretty fair. I like this movie. I've watched it a few times now. Uh, when I rewatched it for the show, it was through the Criterion Collection's release of it that I got. Uh, it looks really nice. It sounds even better if you're 
you know, putting this through a de- decent uh, sound system because, like I said, the soundtrack isn't really a soundtrack that you imagine when you hear that word. Like, if you hear soundtrack, you think of Star Wars or, I don't know, like a Tarantino film where he's pulling together all these different uh, different 70s, 80s, and 90s songs. I'll give you a quick little snippet of some of the soundtrack of this movie right here. So as you can tell, it's not very musical. It's very uh, dull, I would say. Very atmospheric is a better better word. You hear lots of stuff like that, lots of electrical hiss throughout the movie, which really adds to it. Um, but yeah, I really like this movie. Uh, Caitlin? I, I don't like this movie. I think it's a good movie in the way that it's made. I feel like it's made to make you uncomfortable the whole time with the lack of you know songs. And there's also... Uh, it's quite lacking in dialogue as well. It makes you feel very uncomfortable, as well as everything being dulled down with the black and white aspect of it. It's just weird to watch, and it seems almost nightmarish for me like while I was watching it. So it wouldn't be one that I'd watch again, but I can also appreciate the aspects of it that made it how it is. All right, so that was kind of our spoiler-free-ish intro. Uh, so from this point on, we're just going to go full deep dive into the movie, things that we like, things that we didn't like. Is there anything you want to start us off with? Uh, mm, I mean, I feel like overall the movie had a very sexual undertone to it. And yeah. I feel like it was portraying sex as being like a negative freakish thing. You can see... um. When Henry goes to Mary's house for the first time, when you know she invites him over to tell him the news of you know her being pregnant. Uh, no, it wasn't her being pregnant. It, she already delivered the baby, I think. Then. No, I don't think she did. Because they said that it's they said something like it's there at the hospital. Uh, there's a baby, and then sh- they say it's premature, but they think it's a baby. Okay, well, but it's a baby. W- either way, yeah, yeah. when he goes there, it's very. Uh, sexualized I feel they have these little uh, chicken things for dinner they're you know fist size chickens and uh, one of them when Henry's trying to cut into it and eat it I believe it starts bleeding between its legs which kind of offers a very gross sense of you know something getting expelled from a woman yeah perhaps something like inhumane something freakish something gross Mm -hmm. and just seeing that and kind of associating it with the baby later on kind of makes sex seem very disgusting and it leads to very gross things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the whole, like, and even the intro sequence to me, I always thought was was about sex. So we have Henry, his head, and he's kind of floating along. And then his head is superimposed over this world. And then we zoom into this world. And in this world, there's a man controlling all the levers. And I think that man is supposed to be Henry's his mind like conscience yeah and then we see this gross slimy snake-like sperm thing fall into um like this pond but it came out of henry's mouth did it not Yeah. yeah so it came from him and fell into this pond which i guess could symbolize him having sexual relations with mary that's him you know releasing his sperm into you know her pond yeah and then from that, we see um, we see something emerging into 
this emerging out of this cave because we just see it this white hole and it gets closer and closer to this white hole and that always thought made me think of like the baby emerging yeah and the hole looks kind of like gross and sort of hairy-ish around it uh so i think that's very much what's happening at the beginning yeah and sex definitely isn't portrayed in a in a positive way in this in this movie it's very freakish yeah and even um going back to the house when henry was there with mary's family everything was a bit hypersexualized. like when the mother confronted henry about you know marrying her daughter she tried to kiss him yeah she started like making out this cheeks and his neck or whatever yeah which again made you know something kind of sexual you know kind of lewd something very gross like you don't necessarily want your girlfriend's mom like making out all over you yeah and i think that the big undertone in this movie is i think it has lots of layers but the biggest layer to me i think is henry's fear of and I, I think also David Lynch's fear of fatherhood and another thing that they show to kind of make, you know, sex or parenthood gross is that at this dinner scene where Henry, uh, Henry's talking with the mo- or mother ex, I forget. I think that's her, her, the character's name and, and Mary X. There's this dog, this female dog, uh, breastfeeding all of these pups and they're making the grossest noise ever like and it's a huge litter too and yeah. like they're not small pups they're you know puppies they can walk they're not just tiny little things yeah and they're just ripping at her and like yeah. going at it and it yeah and the sounds that go along with it just you know the quiet of the room and the background noise and just all this <laughs> just disgusting <laughs> yeah. and like i guess maybe through his mind he might be thinking like wow like that's what's gonna happen to me like my child is gonna leech off of me leech off of maybe feelings emotions happiness whatever Mm -hmm. money anything yeah kids are leeches they steal your shit you know yeah um there are lots of things that i like in this movie especially there's like some very seldom but there's some humor in the movie i i can't see it and like one uh, like one example is while uh our main character is talking with uh, what's his name Henry when Henry's talking with mother X and Mary X she asks mother S mother X asks him like what do you do and he says oh I'm on vacation and then Mary X says oh he works at uh, works in a factory or something he's very intelligent and mother X goes yeah he seems really intelligent and just I don't know that was just funny to me and then there's a scene that Caitlin talked about earlier where they're having these little chickens for dinner. And the father says, uh, you know, they're the strangest little thing. They're man-made, smaller than my fist. And then when he brings them out, he's asking Henry if he can cut them up because the father doesn't want to damage his arm because he said that doctor said it would never work again. But then he got it working again and now he's scared of cutting it. So he asks Henry to do the honors. And Henry uh, says... Uh, do I just cut them up like regular chickens? And he goes, yeah, just cut them up like regular chickens. I have a clip pulled up here, and I just think it's, I don't know, I just think it's so funny. Just cut them up like regular chickens? Sure, just cut them up like regular chickens. I don't know, but just, he's just, he's so concerned about cutting up these, these tiny little, tiny little things. I feel like 
also just you know rewatching this now uh spoiler alert uh he kills his little alien baby um and i think this part with the chickens might be kind of not a precursor to that but maybe a nod to it later on because you know he's saying how they're just baby chickens like tiny little things kind mm-hmm. of like a fetus you know his own child and he's worried now to cut them up because he doesn't know what to do but at the end with his own child he stabs it kills it just without any thoughts so maybe it's kind of showing character development how before you know any small thing that could be seen as childlike you know fetus like he's very careful about but once it comes to his own he just is so fed up that he can just kill his own child easily yeah that makes sense um another thing i really like in this movie is set design uh if when we see henry's the inside of his house because this movie starts with what i think is that sex scene and then it we just see henry walk around this really gloomy industrial landscape he's just walking around large buildings are all muddy and you know everything's all dirty and it's accompanied by this really atmospheric depressing soundscape um we 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 find we get to his house and we hear almost no dialogue for i don't know the first 10 or 15 minutes whatever it is eerie i hate it it's really uncomfortable it's really depressing seeing him walk around this industrial landscape with where we see nobody else other than him um and the lady next door in his apartment yeah so he gets to his apartment and the lady next door who to me i think in this movie represents lust and i'll get into that later i guess but um she says you know mary called for you and then he goes into his apartment and his apartment is so like it's just so bare and depressing like he goes in and he has this turntable right next to his door and this is another funny but kind of sad part he puts on a record and then he just stands there uncomfortably watching the record and then he just like skips ahead and then a few seconds later he skips ahead even more because he's just so uncomfortable and that's how henry's character is he's really uncomfortable he's stiff when he walks yeah and you can see it in his face too yeah anytime even in the poster if you look up eraserhead he's just uncomfortable he's just awkward and he walks around like that too he walks around very stiff like very you know weird i don't know yeah like his arms are like stuck to his his sides and his shoulders are kind of hunched up and he just kind of walks around all stiff like, it seems like he just saw something that he really didn't want to see, and he's just trying to get out of there. And, like, it constantly seems like he's seeing things that are very uncomfortable, which m- might be, you know, for a reason. Because, mm-hmm. you know, as watching the movie, you feel the same way. You feel uncomfortable. You feel like you've just seen something maybe you shouldn't see. Like, maybe you shouldn't see a tiny baby fist-sized chicken bleeding out of its, you know, hoo-ha. Yeah. And it just seems like he's reflecting what the audience is supposed to feel yeah that's that's very true um i was gonna oh what was i gonna say i've completely forgot but yeah he he, he's just so oh that's what i was gonna say and i and jack nance plays henry in this movie and i think you know when you say like are you mark hamill is luke skywalker or uh, robert downey jr is iron man i think jack nance is a racer head he he just plays it so well he's so uncomfortable um, but when we see him in his apartment, you know, skipping ahead in these songs and whatnot, we see other parts of it. And this is how I think this character is supposed to be really uncomfortable and antisocial because 
he's so disconnected from reality that in his apartment his idea of decor is on his night side on his bed bedside on his nightstand yeah he has just a pile of mud on it with a, like a s- little tree yeah growing like a in little it. charlie brown christmas tree on top of it and i feel like doesn't that show elsewhere too is it on his dresser as well on his dresser yeah he just has a pile of mud on yeah. that mud is kind of a reoccurring thing in this movie like at the beginning he steps in this muddy pile uh this muddy uh, uh what's the word not pile. a pond but he steps in this muddy like swamp thing i don't know how to describe yeah. it either it's just mud mud if you want to visualize <laughs> it mud just think of mud yeah he steps in that and then he has to clean off his socks on his radiator which kind of plays a big role in this movie too later on and outside of outside of his, i mean <laughs> sorry let me start over and even the window in his room we think okay he's gonna have a nice view his view in his room is just a brick wall and another thing about his room too is uh the bed is very bare bones like you think of yeah. really nice bed frames you think of maybe solid wood you know something from ikea if you're a little uh less uh rich but his is just you know four legs and a little bit yeah of metal just, frame yeah just metal frame just very bare bones and it looks really uncomfortable too so everything you know the the brick wall view the turntable that he has to skip over the bed the mud it just shows how weird this dude is like (laughs) he's just uncomfortable he doesn't know what to do with himself he doesn't know what to do with the stuff around him he doesn't have anything nice in his life pretty much yeah and what's interesting is that there are two other rooms to his room and we never see them we never see the inside of the bathroom and there's another room, or maybe it's just a closet. Maybe like a kitchen or something? Yeah, beside this table that he rests his little baby on. Um, and while he's while he's thinking about going to see Mary X, he, he's just sitting at the on, on his bed, looking out his window to the brick wall, and just listening to his radiator hiss really loud. And it's just really depressing. I think another layer of this movie is kind of anti-industrialism or anti I don't know maybe capitalism I'm not sure but it's just he's just this working man and everything around him is just so depressing yeah like it really paints the picture of like modernization um, into like the industrial era as being very negative and having negative effects on like humans and maybe their you know psyches or whatever yeah yeah is there anything that you wanted to touch on? Um, you mentioned the radiator, and I kind of want to jump into this now. Uh, so there is a lady in the radiator, yeah, and it's never really explained. I mean, as most things are in this movie, what her purpose is. Mm-hmm. So what happens is there's a few sequences where you kind of zoom in to the radiator, and inside there's this lady, and she's uh, deformed, for a lack of a better term. Like her cheeks are very big and you know it just it's just unusual i don't know how to describe it but it seems like she's kind of on a floor show like she's on a stage and Mm -hmm. she's singing you know like in heaven everything is fine whatever whatever and it comes back multiple times and while doing research for this i saw one argument that was saying how this uh, radiator girl is potentially a reflection of henry's like conscience okay because uh in the first scene she's just you know singing and it seems 
she's looking you know directly into the camera it seems like she's trying to win the approval of an unseen audience which is you know whoever's watching and i feel like perhaps that could be henry wanting you know the audience to kind of be on his side and but he doesn't necessarily know how to show it because on the outside he's just very awkward he's very uncomfortable and you know hard to like him it's hard to like someone who isn't social at all and it's just you know very stiff mm -hmm. and so that's one thing another thing is at one point the radiator girl there's the little sperm things that you know came out of henry's mouth at the beginning mm -hmm. uh, they were falling from the ceiling and hitting the floor and radiator girl was stomping on them yeah and at this point henry had already had his child at his house so Mary X had moved in with him at this point mm -hmm. and um, I believe that it's probably just his hatred for his child and not even necessarily his child but for the sperm th that made this child come into existence so it's kind of self-hatred in the fact like why did I you know have sexual relations with this girl so that she would be pregnant and just kind of kicking himself for it while she's you know kicking and stomping on all these sperm things okay yeah that's interesting i always thought of the lady in the radiator kind of as a representation of love uh that's how i thought about it because she seems to she is really sweet with henry and when you think of a radiator you think of heat you think of warmth and yeah. the lady living in the radiator i think is supposed to me is representing that warmth and that love and I think why her cheeks are so huge is because when you think of something really cutesy, you think of like a kid like, oh, big chubby cheeks. I think this is supposed to be just she's so cutesy. It's becoming grotesque and it's just bulging out of her face. OK, that's how I've thought about it. it. Um, and I think she she is a character in this movie that kind of loves Henry because his wife leaves him. Yeah, so she Mary X eventually leaves Henry because she can't handle the child, which we'll get into a bit more later. Yeah, she can't. And she says, all I want is a good night's sleep. And Henry says, why don't you just stay home then? And obviously he doesn't care for her that much either because when he visits her at the beginning, he says, like, where have you been? You don't call anymore. You don't come around. Obviously they are not into one another. And they would just marry each other out of out of need because they had this child um so he i don't think he loves his wife i think the lady in the radiator does love him and there's a woman across the hall who he, i think is supposed to be lust so he kind of has love lust and do you think that the lady in the radiator represents the love that he wants from someone? Yeah. Do you think it would potentially be the love that he wants from Mary or maybe the love that he wants from the lady across the hall? Maybe. He wants love and lust intertwined. Yeah. Because what happens with the lady across the hall is they have this sexual encounter one day. Yeah. And then the next day she's with somebody else. Like I believe he knocks on her door and, you know, she's... I don't even know. I, I can't even think about that movie anymore. <laughs> but um, I feel like it might be his want to, you know, have a, I guess you could say, a normal relationship with someone where, you know, you can lust after them, but you also love them and care for them deeply. Yeah, she comes over. The lady across the hall comes over one night. She just kind of 
lets herself in, basically. And seduces Henry. And seduces him. She's like, where's your wife? And then he, he, he was like, I don't know. She must have must have gone home. And then she's like, can I stay the night? And there's only the one bed, so obviously they sleep together. And the way Luke was talking about this made it sound very uncomfortable. Even listening to it, I was getting uncomfortable. And it's not just, you know... Uh, bad speaking on his part that's pretty much exactly how they sounded in the movie so yeah want to be uncomfortable like that go go ahead and watch it and there's lots of silence in between their their sentences and long pauses and they're kind of staring at each other and then you have that atmospheric noise going on in the back and then they're making out on on his bed and then she hears crying the lady and she turns and she sees the baby, which I guess we'll talk about now because we've been avoiding it. So the baby is like this little guy. I don't know how to describe it. It's this little guy wrapped in... All you see is a head and the body is wrapped in cloth. Yeah, so he looks like a little bean. So imagine a bean shape, that's his body. And then his head kind of comes out and... The way I saw it was he kind of looked like a kangaroo head. Yeah. But it had less shape. It was more just round instead of a defined head and snout. So it's just very round and very bizarre. And the baby the baby is probably one of my favorite pieces of practical effects in any movie. When I think of great pa- practical effects, you know, I think of like something like Star Wars or The Thing, like the original The Thing, or... <laughs> this baby in a racer head it's unknown how they actually went about making it yeah like i heard that even the projectionist was uh blindfolded so he wouldn't even know like how it works so that he couldn't spill the beans yeah it and it it's so realistic it, it's like has a slimy layer on it the eyes on it move really well and look like real eyes i think there's some theory that they made it of dead rabbit parts yeah or like lamb fetus something uh not very family friendly yeah and so anyway she sees this baby and the baby can't move because his whole body we presume it has arms and legs is all bundled up in this yeah it's, it's swaddled very very tightly yeah they, you know, think of like the idea of a stork delivering a baby but uh, like 10 times tighter than that yeah so and it's just laying there immobile on his desk with this little pillow under its head yeah just kind of moving its head side to side and going every two seconds which is annoying yeah let's see if i can even find a clip of that but and while you're looking for that um I'll just say David Lynch was very uh, bizarre when describing the baby. Anytime someone would ask about like, hey, you know, what happened to the baby? Where'd you get it from? How'd you make it? He would say weird stuff like, oh, like we found it in the woods nearby. Oh, it was like born like this and that. So it kind of makes it seem like it's real in a sense, too, which I think adds to the movie, you know, on an outside. On a meta level. Yeah. Like it it just gives me the creeps just thinking about it. Okay, I found a clip. Let's see if we can hear it crying here. And like sometimes it's very quiet too. I can't find it, but the 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 clip clip that I f- pulled up here um, was a scene where Henry goes to put a thermometer in its mouth, and then he looks at the reading, and then he looks back at the baby, and now it's all covered in warts and 
like looks like bugs on him and his eyes are now all cloudy and he's just breathing like like I can play here yeah the baby gets sick which is really weird because you know you look at it and it's perfectly fine just being the annoying baby yeah. as it is and then you know thermometer in look away look back and it's just covered like Luke said in these nasty spots and it looks really really gross like you get sick you know you feel gross maybe your face gets a little red but this child has like growths all over it like it looks like it's about to die and this is also when Henry gets pissed at the baby because it's like wow okay you're annoying you cry all the time you refuse to eat it would spit up its food and now you're sick now it's an yeah. extra thing that I have to take care of yeah and he says oh you are sick and just like the way he says it is so funny and he doesn't it, it doesn't even sound like he he cares it's like oh like oh you're sick great like that's really cool thank you for that child yeah the baby is basically just a representation of everyone's fears of child of child like children. of children uh, because the baby pretty much refuses to eat and Mary has to like open its mouth and shove food in it. All it does is cry. It spits out the food too on her, which makes her mad too. So it's not just Henry that's getting pissed. Yeah, and then he gets sick all the time. So, yeah, the lady sees, going all the way back, the lady, uh, while they're kissing, she turns over and sees the baby crying. And then Henry kind of like forces her face away from looking at it and then they continue kissing and then they dissolve in this p pond in his on his bed on his bed and, and that starts a, a dream sequence of like uh, even while trying to you know remember this i don't want to because it just bothered me so much but he doesn't he go into the radiator with the lady yeah yeah his uh He's just there, and then all of a sudden, I believe his head explodes, right? Something like the baby's head comes up through his suit and replaces his head, and then his head falls off. Yeah. And then this cart with a bunch of mud on it and this tree gets wheeled out, and from that, blood starts coming from the mud, and then his head falls into that, and it falls on the street, on some street, and then a kid picks up the head and runs away with it and brings it to this factory and this part's like so funny because this kid walks in with this severed head and then the like the the i don't know the receptionist guy is there and he starts buzzing on the on this door repeatedly and then his boss comes and he goes okay paul and like pointing at him and then he turns over and sees that the kid has his head and then he's like oh hello and then brings him in and then they drill into Henry's head and pull out a chunk of his brain. And then they make erasers with out it. Out of his head. Yeah. Like the title suggests. Yeah. Uh, it's a very bizarre sequence. And that was kind of at the point where I tapped out of the movie. You know, after that, I was like, you know what? I'm just going <laughs> to I'm going to stay on my phone and not be in this. But like. Like I said before, the whole movie makes you really uncomfortable. It makes you want to stop watching, and, you know, I had to tap out. But if you if you have the willpower to watch it, you know, more to you. I personally couldn't. I don't really think that that sequence personally is supposed to mean anything greater in the story. I think it really is just kind of an interesting sequence. Like, all I can pull from that is that, you know, he feels like his head is getting drilled into i i think as that was just 
an interesting sequence that they added. And the thing with this movie is there's no concrete, this is what this means. Yeah. And I I don't think David Lynch has ever really explained anything about this movie at all. And, and I don't think it needs to be. Like, it would be like if you went to an art museum and then beside it there was a panel explaining what this painting is supposed to mean. Well, sometimes it does, like, you know, like, ocean waves, and you look and it's blue, and you're like, okay, like, I can get it. But this movie, it's all over the place. Like, I had to watch a few, you know, Eraserhead Explained videos to even get a sense of what was going on. Everything is very metaphorical, and yeah. I feel like you can take anything in any which way. Like, maybe you could even argue that the movie isn't about sex at all, and, you know, we're totally wrong. It's, it's very... Uh, loose and anyone can kind of make anything out of it and no one can really say that they're wrong either yeah and that's that's what's great about lots of pieces of art is that you you get to interpret it in any which way it's 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 a thought-provoking movie which i which i really appreciate going back to the baby i'm just gonna go you know hands in with this child so this disgusting little baby thing you know we said before is just You know, all types of awful, everything that you don't want in your child. You know, when you have a baby, you hope that you can breastfeed it or feed it formula. You hope that it'll take it. You hope Mm -hmm. that, you know, it'll be, you know, sleeping at night. This child basically never sleeps. Mary and Henry would try to sleep in their bed. The baby would just cry all night long. And even with getting sick, it's like you don't want your child to get sick. But then what do you know? You know, this demon child from I don't even know where doesn't even look like a child is sick it's Mm -hmm. everything that you don't want in a child and um henry decides uh to i guess put this child out of its misery and you can see it that way as you know putting it out of his misery or he's had enough so what happens is i'm not sure what you know henry's thought process is but he cuts the i guess you could say the wrappings off from around the baby's body yeah and realizes that this child has no skin Mm -hmm. and technically no body so it's just a bunch of body parts like heart stomach lungs everything like that and it's just kind of out in the open as if you know you were at a hospital and you had surgery and they had to cut open your insides you know everything was just there Mm -hmm. and um the baby at that point starts freaking out making these weird noises sounding like it's you know dying and henry just takes the scissors that he cut open the you know the wrappings with and just stab the baby until it died so i guess like i said before you can interpret it in a bunch of different ways um one interpretation that i saw was you know when the lady in the radiator was stomping on those sperms it was you know henry's will to kill the child which you know he inevitably did you can also see it as, you know, this child is causing way too many problems for him, for Mary, and for itself, you know, wanting to, you know, basically kill itself by not eating and, you know, getting sick. So just putting it out of its misery to kind of help everybody involved. Yeah, you, you. so for you, you think that Henry didn't care for the baby? No, I don't, like, I think that he wasn't completely heartless because, you know... I just don't feel like anyone's completely heartless who can just commit, like, infanticide, you know, without thinking. I think it was, you know, he was so sick of this annoying child, just so done with it, so done with what it's, you know, what it's done with his life, what it's done to, you know, his future, like, and everything involved. I think he was so fed up with that. But I also think it was mixed with, wow, this kid has so many problems. 
in itself and it's not going to survive, I might as well just put it out of its misery. Hmm. That's interesting because how I saw it was that he actually cared for the baby. Definitely at first because Mary did not. Yeah, she it's, leaves. It's she did not want to put up with the baby at all. She said, you're on vacation. You deal with with it. And you better take really good care of things when I'm gone. And then she leaves. And, and she's and gone forever. Like, she never comes back. So. Yeah, she appears in one scene after. And I always I thought that this was a dream sequence where Henry wakes up in the night and she's beside him, like, flailing around and making weird, like, clicking noises. Like, she's like... <coughs> and she's pushing him off the bed and he's like, move over, move over. And then he goes to push her under the blankets. And then he pulls up one of these long sperm things. And then he pulls out another. And she's just like profusely giving birth. And then after that, we get the scene with the lady across the room. And then she's like, oh, where did your wife go? And he said, oh, I don't know. She must have gone home. I think that that was just a dream to him. And that scene, it's so funny, but it reminded me of... Uh, it reminded me of Sh- Shrek 2, I think. <laughs> I think it's Shrek 2 or Sh- Shrek 3 where he- Shrek is having oh, those yeah. dreams of like yeah, all no, of these babies. I think it's, sh- yeah, it's it's Shrek 3. He has this dream where his three ogre babies are, you know, trashing his house and whatnot. Yeah. And then all of a sudden there's like a million babies and he's like, ah. So, yeah, yeah I can definitely see that. Um Maybe not even just being, like, scared of, you know, his one child, just maybe fearing that that's what his life's going to be, just constantly, like, yeah. every single time he has sex, every single time when there's one of those sperm things, he's going to have another, you know, baby, lamb, rabbit, yeah. kangaroo thing, and it's going to be just as awful. Yeah, that, and I, I think he... Because he tries feeding him, and then he says, oh, you are sick, and then he gets a diffuser for the baby... And he's checking up on him. I think he does care about him. But the snapping point is when, in my opinion, when the lady across the hall comes home and he's been waiting for her all day and he goes to check on her and then he sees that she's with another man and she kind of looks at him and then the camera goes back to Henry and his head is gone and it's the baby's head. And then it goes back to her and then she walks into her room with this other man and then Henry looks at uh, what's happening through the keyhole but then all she sees all he sees is that they close the door and go do whatever they're gonna do and the baby kind of laughs at him so do you think like the snapping point is him maybe thinking like wow i could have had you know this fun life with this lady but i have this stupid kid yeah and all she sees in me now is this baby i guess and I mean, then I, I don't even know if he thinks, like, opening up the bandages is going to kill the baby. I don't really know I, what was going in I through his head. I don't think so, because, I mean, like, he, it it didn't seem malicious when he did. It seemed yeah. like, So it could have just been like, okay, you have a temperature. You're really hot. Let's get these, you know, blankets off of you, technically, and you'll be warm. And then after seeing, oh, that was keeping it together, I was just like, oh, might as well just kill the thing. I, I know, but at the same point and I'm contradicting myself here, he goes and he sits down at the chair beside the desk and he has these scissors and then he looks over at it, at the baby with, like, such disgust. Like, I don't know, he just has this really upset expression on his face and then he goes to cut off the bandages. And I think maybe that he was expecting, like, 
some minor it would cause some minor pain to the baby or something i don't know but then he sees that all of its guts are falling out and then he looks like horrified like, oops sorry my bad dude and then he's like i guess i have to kill you so he just stabs him one of the hearts and one of one, one of the of somethings the and then the baby starts pussing out of its body and then we cut back to the man in the planet which i think is his consciousness and we see that he's like having trouble with all the levers and the sparks flying everywhere yeah maybe it's like his morals kind of going all haywire because it's like you know it's immoral to kill but is it moral to like save my own like i don't know like happiness yeah and then uh, going back quickly you said yeah. that you felt like henry did care for the child yeah do you think that was him caring because you know he cares or do you think that was him caring because Mary, when she left, said, like, you better take care of this kid. And he was just deciding that, you know, okay, I got to take good care of this kid because, you know, she isn't. Um, And, like, maybe. not to make her mad. Because if she comes back and she sees the baby's, you know, sick, she's going to be pissed. Yeah, but at the same time, he he told her to, like, just stay home. Like I don't think he was very interested in having her around. Well, I feel like he's very uh, a submissive character. So I feel like even if he said, you know, stay home and never come back, it's like if she decides she's a domino and if she decides she wants to come back, she will. And if, you know, the baby's sick or whatever when she gets back, there's going to be hell to pay. Maybe. It could be that as well. Um, but then after he kills the baby and the man in in the planet starts freaking out then it cuts back and it's really it's really hard to like it it's pretty disturbing but this huge sculpture of like this baby's head starts like floating around the room yeah and then it like comes right up to to henry and uh while he's killing the baby too there's like this electrical hiss going on this crackling because the lamp is like shorting and that really adds to the horror of it. And then the camera goes into the lamp, into, into the light. And then it shows Henry and the woman in the radiator. And then she goes to hug him. And then that's how the movie ends. Yeah. I mean, I don't... I don't have a lot to say about this movie. It was really hard to watch. It's kind of hard to analyze it considering the fact that it's you know the only movie that i've ever said that i absolutely never want to watch again just because it was so i'm not gonna say traumatizing but very it, it was too disturbing for me and it felt like the entire time i was in a nightmare yeah. so even at the end it's like okay he's hugging this lady you know um she keeps saying you know in, in heaven everything is fine like that's her classic line for her song it's just like yeah, no, like, I don't feel fine at the end of that. I feel horrified. And, like, I remember leaving your house and just going home and being like, I'm so excited for all these nightmares I'm going to have tonight, and I'm so excited to not be able to stop thinking about this constantly. Yeah. And I, whenever I try to critique a movie in, in my head, I always think about, I try to think, I try to think about what was the director's goal and did he accomplish it? So with a movie like this, I think one of the goals is very much to be disturbed and he accomplished it. Yeah. And I think, so I think that that's a positive and, and like, it's the very best movie that I've ever hated. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good way of, of, uh, of putting it. Yeah. The lady in the radio sings one song and then there's that song that he plays on his turntable for a few minutes and then there's a song in the credits. But like I said, other than those songs, all you're hearing in this movie is these 
plethora of industrial noises. Yeah, just nothingness, pretty much. Just and it like obviously if it was fully silent, it would be weird. But it's just like it was very eerie in the sense where it sounds like you know you're just at home alone. Like there's always stuff going on. You can hear random noises. Maybe you know your family walking around or you know something's going on outside. And it just it's just I don't even know how to describe it. It's just very uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah, so all in all, I mean, there isn't much about this movie that I dislike. I would recommend this to any horror fan. I would recommend this to him. I mean, it is a a midnight uh, movie cult classic, so. Yeah, I would love to see this if they did a showing this at, like, the Park Theater. I'd go see that. Yeah, I know you would, but you'd kind of have to find your own way there and back. (laughs) That's fine. I would love to see this on the big screen. David Lynch is very much about seeing movies on the big screen. There's this funny video that someone made about him talking about watching movies on your phone. And he's like, you'll never in a trillion years experience a movie how you're supposed to on a fucking telephone. Get real. (laughs) And so... I tried to I watch this on my TV in the basement, try to get it on the biggest screen possible, but I really need to see this on the big screen. Um, yeah, there isn't much I d- dislike about this movie. It is a little difficult at times to discern if, like, example, the Eraser had seen, like, if that has any bigger point in the overall movie. Um, and I, I'm going to give this one, I might change this to a little higher later on but i'm gonna give this one nine bags of popcorn wow beautiful out of 10 maybe it's a 10 i really can't tell but oh i almost can never rate anything a 10 i'm very reserved in that but a nine a nine is very high um are we doing a a 10 bag scale we're doing a 10 bag scale um, as god intended i didn't give much thought to this um that's fine i'm gonna take over uh for matt and the scales now um I I don't know. I have well I'll just say this for my enjoyment of the film, I'm going to say that's zero bags out of 10 cuz okay. I, I like it was a good movie but the first I, zero I, out of 10. I could not do it. Um I'm more into like, you know, slasher picks, you know, someone's just getting, you know, stabbed with a knife. It's all cool. It's all fun, you know. Ee, ee, yeah, those are fun horror movies to watch with friends. This movie you don't even have to watch with friends. You could very much watch no, just this on watch yourself. Watch it alone. Watch it in the very, dark. Yeah, it's very introspective. No popcorn. You no. Don't even enjoy anything about it. Just eat slugs while you yeah, watch eat this. Yeah, eat. Yeah. Um, for myself, uh, in uh, I would no say pressure. Whatever you want. I'm just taking me a second to think. I would say. For like artisticness and uh, filmmakership, I guess you could say mm-hmm. probably, yeah, an eight or nine out of ten. I just think it, it was yeah. a really well-made movie, um, and just based on how strongly I reacted negatively to it, I feel like it definitely accomplished what it wanted, which was to make yeah. you uncomfortable. And I've never had this strong of a reaction, positive or negative, to a movie before ever. So, I think, yeah. Eight or nine, probably a nine out of ten. The only recent movie I can compare the feeling to is like Hereditary or Midsummer. Oh yeah, Midsummer really messed me up too. Yeah, I just think this one's a lot uh, 
worse for me personally because in Midsummer and Hereditary, it's like they kind of give you the puzzle pieces during yeah. the film, and they they kind of say like if you look hard enough, like you can figure stuff out. And yeah. with Eraserhead, it's just like here's all this wacky shit. You make whatever you want out of it. And I think also the fact that there's no satisfaction in knowing exactly what it's about also adds to the creepiness and the unsettlingness because you're never going to feel satisfied. You're always mm-hmm. just going to be like, what does it mean? What does it mean? You know, is it this? Is it this? Is it this? And like even Luke and I had differing opinions. So you're never going to have the satisfaction of knowing you're always going to be unsettled by it, I think. Yeah. And one last thing that I want to say is that this is very much an artist's movie. The cinematography in this is great. Um, and it has one of my favorite shots of like any movie is when it's just a shot of Henry and behind him there's some dust flying behind him. The poster? Y- yeah, they use it for the poster yeah. as well. But the shot in the movie looks looks great. And especially the Criterion Collections version of it on Blu-ray. I'm plugging the Criterion Collection again. Check this out if you can. If you like the movie, buy the Criterion Collection. It comes with this nice little booklet, too. It's He's a Criterion Collection stan. I stan them. Um, Yeah, the movie looks great. There's tons and tons of shots in this movie that, I mean, if you put it up in your house, people would think that you're a weirdo if they came over. Oh, yeah, no. Luke wanted to get a poster, and I vetoed that very quickly. (laughs) I do not want to, you know, go over there and try to have a nice time with, you know... Henry looking at you. Yeah, with the weird, awkward stare. So it's not very good for decor, but you know. I need to pull up my calendar here because um, I, th- I forget what the schedule is. But I think next week, next Monday, we'll be doing Atomic Cafe. And then after that, maybe we could do... Maybe a funny one, like we could do Who Killed Captain Alex, maybe. I would love to watch Tusk, and I would definitely love to talk about it. Yeah, we could do Tusk at one point, too. We've just done so many horror movies now. We need to kind of switch it up here thematically. But if if need be, we'll keep it with the the horror movie trope. But that was it for Eraserhead. I gave it nine bags. Caitlin gave it an ambiguous eight or nine. We'll just say 8.5. Yeah, no, I'm going to hype it up to a nine. Okay, a nine. Um, anything else you want to add? Uh, no, just thank you for uh, having me on the show today. I appreciate the the invite and you know having this nice chat with you, even though we have very different uh, likings of this movie. No problem. All right, till then, have a good one. Over S- and out. Stay classy. S- stay old school for life. Bye. 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 Bye.